So Money episode 412, Jessica Heron. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome back to So Money, everyone. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. It's Wednesday, May 4th, which means another fresh episode of Follow the Leader on CNBC. How are you liking the show? We're really excited to see so many of you tuning in, whether you DVR'd it, watched it live, watched it online. You can go to followtheleader.cnbcprime.com and catch all of the full episodes. And today we've got believe it or not, the rock star entrepreneurs behind Warby Parker. Anyone here wear Warby Parker glasses or sunglasses? They're a billion dollar company, estimated at a billion dollars, a company that was started out of grad school over at UPenn. Co-CEOs, we have Nick Blumenthal, Dave Gilboa. They are just killing it with their vertically integrated company. They make trendy, high quality eyewear for a fraction of the price because they don't spend money on licensing deals. They go straight from manufacturer to consumer. And as a result, they're able to save a lot of money and pass that savings onto the consumer. They sell these glasses for about 95 bucks a pop versus, you know, $300, $400, maybe even more at an optician's office or in a department store. So they are onto something really cool. And then of course, for every pair that they sell, they donate a pair and they've donated over a million pairs of eyewear. How about that? So we get to meet the personalities and the brain behind this genius operation, Warby Parker, tonight, 10 p.m. Eastern Pacific on Follow the Leader. All right, now for today's guest is Jessica Heron. She is the founder of Stella and Dot. And many of you have asked me over the years, you know, Farnish, where do you get your jewelry? And a lot of my jewelry comes from Stella and Dot. I've purchased from them as well as they've gifted me some pieces throughout the years, which I've then worn on television and in magazine shoots and on my website. In fact, the, the gold statement necklace that I'm wearing on the homepage of Farnoosh.tv is a piece from Stella and Dot. Stella and Dot is a phenomenal company. In fact, Inc. called it an Inc. 500 fastest growing company. It's based in San Francisco, and its mission is to be a social selling company that creates flexible entrepreneurial opportunities for women. Stella and Dot provides boutique style jewelry and accessories available exclusively through in-home trunk shows by independent stylists and online. And Jessica Heron is the founder. And she's got a new book out just out tomorrow. It's called Find Your Extraordinary, Dream Bigger, Live Happier, and Achieve Success on Your Own Terms. And she hopes through this book that she will cultivate the entrepreneurial spirit, talk about how she was able to do it, and how you can too. A little bit more about Jessica. After joining two successful tech startups out of college, she went to the Stanford Graduate School of Business, and at 24 years old, she co-founded the website WeddingChannel.com, which of course now is one of the leading websites for brides-to-be. In her book, Find Your Extraordinary, she talks about how you don't have to be perfect to start, but you have to start to perfect. Brilliant words. I'm going to actually laminate that, put that somewhere in my office so I never forget it. She talks about her own dealings with failure and how those failures led to success and how she, as a female in Silicon Valley, has been able to really make her mark be successful despite some discrimination, despite some gender biases. We get real and raw and personal with Jessica Heron. Here we go. Take a listen. 
Jessica Heron. Welcome to So Money. I've been a fan for years, finally getting the chance to connect with you. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. You know, I was telling you just before we got onto the recording line that I've been hooked on Stella and Dot Jewelry for about five years now. And I've even contemplated selling the jewelry myself because I get so many compliments whenever I wear a statement necklace or a pair of earrings from Stella and Dot. And I would, I was thinking, this would sell if only I had the time <laughs> to, well, to, to sell. That's part of our business strategy is to create public facing product that's so irresistible and an affordable luxury that our business owners can do it on the go without a lot of time because it is something that is uh, social and easy to offer. It was a key part of democratizing entrepreneurship, which is the mission behind the Stella and Dot family of brands. Yeah. So let's first start talking about the Stella and Dot mission. You started this. This wasn't your first company. It wasn't your first time at the rodeo starting a company in Silicon Valley, but the mission uh, behind Stella and Dot is very unique. You say that you anyone can be entrepreneurial you don't have to be an entrepreneur, but you can be entrepreneurial. Share with us a little bit about the Stella and Dot success story. Well, thank you. And the success story behind Stella and Dot is really the sum of success stories of all of our independent business owners. But my inspiration for it came from when I was a first an e-commerce entrepreneur out of business school. A lot of women reached out to me at that time and asked me to give them advice on how they could flourish in business. And I thought about it and I realized the type of business I was pursuing that required a specialized education, raising venture capital, working nights and weekends, signing, you know, leases, hiring employees wasn't even the type of business I wanted to run much longer. You know, I wanted to, uh, figure out a way to democratize entrepreneurship so that you could de-risk it and have a lower cost of capital and thus have more women really thrive in business. So that same mission behind uh, the Stella Not Family brands, you know, expanded when we expanded into Keep Collective, another accessories brand that's based more on sharing your story with charms than it is fashion. And also when we crossed categories and really acted as a social selling platform and found the best in the business to launch ever skincare, which is delivers real results, good for you ingredients, because all of that is about being a social selling platform in women's lifestyle brands that help people find something they're truly passionate about that they can succeed at offering uh, without having to give up their life in order to start a business. There are a number of these direct sale companies out there that, that have a similar ring to them. You know, we want to empower our, uh, our, I guess, you know, their members to become, you know, sales reps and then in, in through that become entrepreneurial. But some of the criticism out there and like, I guess in the industry is that, that it's a large capital up, up front. Um, you don't end up, the margins aren't very, uh, wide for the, the people who are selling these uh, on the front lines. How is Stella and Dot different than those companies? And I won't name them by name, but, um, I mean, people can imagine that there are a lot of other companies out there you know, very well known that have been around since the 60s and the 70s that preach, you know, we are a solution for for women right. who are stay-at-home moms or just want pe- people who want to create some extra income on the side. How does Stella and Dot kind of differentiate? 
When I looked at this, I started with a blank piece of paper and said, okay, how can you really set somebody up for success? And what do you have to eliminate from businesses of the past? And how can you innovate with what's now possible with technology and put together a modern business for the modern woman that works when you do? And with that, I looked at it and said, okay, first of all, you got to lead with amazing design so that the product, as you said, is something people authentically want to buy. This isn't something you're going to find on a retail shelf for less. This is something exclusively available backed by a quality guarantee that offers tremendous price value in an incredibly large market. So that's sort of step one. Customer experience, customer value in the product is critical, which is why with my partner, Blythe Harris, uh, we really focus on the design of something you know extraordinary in, in really each one of our brands. And then it has to be a combination of a high-tech and high-touch platform. We do sell person-to-person, we do in-home events, but we also complement that with social selling. And we are a massive technology company. And we invest in that because that allows people to share broader and thus earn more dollars per hour and make that really profitable. But you also have to make sure that the incentive systems, like the way that people earn their inventory. We, we don't have inventory, but they have samples that they can earn with sales for free. And then there's no inventory. It, we ship direct to the customer. We offer free returns. <laughs> so that we're really being customer obsessed and thus enabling someone to succeed. So if you look at some of the pitfalls of the past where people had to inventory load, that's not even allowed within our business. And, and what I really had my eyes open to is our business actually works where you can choose to earn a really high margin, frankly, commission. Imagine if every business owner got to keep 35% of their sales. That would be a phenomenal margin, right? Yeah. And so our business owners can earn up to 35% of personal commission. And then because they don't have a quota, they don't have a fixed compensation. It's all variable because they decide when they work and where they work. And then if they choose to help other people do the same, then they're compensated just like you would see a VP of sales at a Fortune 500 company, right? That head of sales has, has got a largely a bonus-based compensation. And that's really driven based on how well their sales team is doing. So, so that's what we offer. But one of the things I'm really proud of that's our core difference is personal development. We don't just give people the product to share. We give them a learning and development platform so that they have the motivation to go do it. In fact, it's it's those stories and experiences that I share in my upcoming book, Find Your Extraordinary, because I've come to see that it's it's really the motivation to go do it and the self-confidence and the actionable, attainable steps to cultivate that within yourself that really help our business owners become successful. I uh, love that you don't have to have a basement full of inventory because <laughs> that is a Absolutely huge differentiator. Not. Yeah. But I'll know in business that that can be, you know, having payroll and having inventory can be where you get into trouble. So we take that out of the equation for people so that they're set up for success. Your book, Find Your Extraordinary, is extraordinary. I was going through it with my highlighter and one of, I stopped at this one quote because I just thought it was so fantastic. It's It goes like this. You don't have to be perfect to start. You have to start to perfect. Brilliant. Oh, I love that. I wish I had known that when I was first starting out because I do think that a lot of, uh, a lot of men and women, uh, when they're pursuing anything that's perceived as challenging or risky, there's a lot of fear that goes into that. There's a lot of self-doubt. I'm not right. perfect. Um, how does this correlate to maybe your own personal journey as a female entrepreneur in Silicon Valley, no less? Well, you know, I, this, thank you so much for your compliments. I mean, this book was a real passion project for me and it was born out of the desire to help other people 
try to create success on their own terms. And when I, I wrote the book, that, that we're really to try to help people do more than have the success where you put money in the bank account or a title on your resume, but the, also the kind that puts peace in your mind and happiness in your heart. And if you think about, for me as an entrepreneur in my journey, really my success has only been because you know it really depended on my helping the people around me cultivate just a few key traits to success. And it is something that I believe other people can learn because I've seen it work thousands of times. Um, but it's really key that you start with a foundation of self-confidence. Then I outline a tactical framework for, you know, how, how I did it and how I believe other people can do it, where you've got to be pursuing an authentic passion. You've got to surround yourself, um, with a, a, have a plan and a path to make sure that you really break it down into actionable steps to get there. And that's going to take a positive mind, having the right people around you, uh, learning to persevere and then actually being productive so that you can get it all done without feeling too stretched to love your life. Another P from your book is to follow the path of least regret, right? Am I getting that right? What does that mean exactly? Path of least regret? Because I've heard of path of least resistance. Why regret? Well, it's really, it's come down to my decision-making framework that I've used since I first got out of school and decided to be an entrepreneur or do something in a startup company rather than take a traditional route. I, I was about to go do something that I needed to pay off a mountain of student loans. I've, I've had a job since I was 15. I paid my way through college and I had a giant amount of debt when I graduated school. So I was about to go take a, a job in an investment bank that may have been a dream job, but it wasn't my dream. And I got some great advice actually from a cab driver while I was interviewing for a different job. And it was the one <laughs> I ended up taking because he said to me, you know, he could tell I looked perplexed in the, in the rear view mirror. And he said, you know, darling, what are you so worried about? And, and I told him, you know, I have this job all lined up, but this other one, you know, is really alluring to me. I can't believe I'm considering it, but I am. And he said, well, that's easy. Which one has the most upside? And is that one with the most upside worth the risk of the downside in that scenario? And I realized that that simple decision-making framework could guide me through a lot of choices in life, which is, do I want to pursue something really extraordinary? Then I'm going to have to pick the path of the most hope. And as long as I'm able to live with the downside that comes with it, then even if I fail, I don't have regret because I'm still pursuing that path of, of maximum upside. Yeah. You know, that's a great way to analyze, you know, if I don't do this, how badly will I regret it? I share some of those stories in the book and my real story of how many times I've had to fail along the way. In fact, I think I failed more than most because I've tried more than most. And if I've created success, it's only been at the, because I've been so willing to fail. Need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 84 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business. It all starts with a stunning website with hundreds of designer-made customizable templates to choose from. The drag and drop editor. There's no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. 
Wix.com. Wix.com empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy, too busy, too busy worrying about your budget, too busy scheduling appointments, too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy and free. Go to Wix.com to create your website today. The result is stunning. Well, let's then fast forward a little bit through our standard Q&A on so money here and, and, and talk about failure. What would you say was your greatest failure that maybe even had a lot to do with the financials, whether in your life or in the business? You know, I have such an interesting uh, perspective on failure that I tend to be able to look back at my career and only see something as a domino or a linchpin rather than a failure. So if I sit there and think about how I launched um, Wedding Channel, which is the business that became Wedding Channel out of business school, and I venture backed it and we raised a lot of capital. In, in fact, it was over uh, capitalized in that dot com heyday. And then we merged with a business and changed our name to Wedding Channel. And ultimately, I wanted to sell that business because it wasn't my passion. I could look back at that and say, oh, was that a failure to structure the business that way such that I'd want to leave it four years later? Um, or could I say, wow, that was the warm up round? You know, there was a gift in that because then I then understood as a second time entrepreneur that I needed to bootstrap Stella and Dot, that I needed to keep control of the mission. And I needed to feel really soulfully connected to what I was, I do because it actually takes a lot of work. <laughs> and so you've got to bound out of bed in the morning because you love it. And when I discovered the mission of creating flexible opportunity, you know, for women in the workplace, that that felt so right to me, but it wouldn't, I wouldn't have known, you know, how important that was had I not done my first business the, the other way. So I really do feel like failures cease to become failures when you find the gift in them. They actually just become the formation of your future success. How did you ultimately realize the need for flexibility, uh, flexible work schedules, flexible ways to make yes. money for women. What were you, where were you in your life and how did that Eureka happen? Well, you know, first I, I was an economics um, major as an undergrad at Stanford and I love economics. I've always read you know, all the studies. And if you just look out there at all the data and, and we hear it bandied about constantly, right? There's the pay gap. There's the wage gap. There's a C-suite gap. There's a board gap. There's a happiness gap. There's a confidence gap. And there, and a lot of that, I believe, stems from uh, a too rigid of a nine to five that doesn't ebb and flow with the other responsibilities that women play in life. That's the motherhood. That's taking care of, of aging parents that's being community activists and leaders. And so I really believe that the, we have to redefine the workforce in order not to sideline a gender. And when you do that, you really hamper the economy for, for, for all. So I think there's a, an imperative to continue to advance the world and the workplace for women. Now, that's the academic reason why I, I knew that. But nothing is like the emotional experience of being that woman, right? I was that entrepreneur at, um, at my my first company who all of a sudden wanted to have babies and started thinking to myself, how could the professional version of me reconcile with these personal goals in life? And when I started to think about 
creating the, my second business that would go on to become the Stella Not Family of Brands, I knew I had to create something on my own terms, on my own, on my own uh, way. And it's really that story and the stories of others that really said, hold on, I'm going to pursue a different format of success that I share in Find Your Extraordinary. But that's when I really recognized, okay, I want to be a mother. I want, and when I had children, you're not always, you know, really they have you, you don't have them. I had, we had, you know, medical issues to work through. We had other things to sort out as a, as a two working parents and flexibility really rose to the top of the need list. And it wasn't that I didn't want to work hard. I wanted to work. I just wanted to work when I wanted to work in order to make it all work out. Makes total sense to me. I, I was just interviewing another Silicon Valley entrepreneur, female, who identified one big challenge for her personally, securing venture capital as a female um, at least she has been at the end of a lot of, uh, subtle biases or sometimes just direct biases. Like they, people ask her, well, you're a woman who has an idea that wants to start a business. Why should we give you money if you're going to go and be get married and have kids in 10 years? Like, what's your strategy? They're really concerned about these things and they're not afraid to ask, which I think is one uh, very discriminatory, uh, and, and presumptuous. Like to think that just because, a woman wants to have a family that's going to block her chances of success. Men also have families. They go right. on to be successful. Have you ever experienced that? And was part of the reason why you bootstrap Stella and Dot because you don't want to deal with all of that nonsense? You know, I, I have to tell you, I have had uh, a two decades now of starting businesses in Silicon Valley in which I worked with various types of entrepreneurs and, and men it is it, whether they're in the business or they've been investors. And so there's no doubt you don't go through two decades without experiencing every kind of comment and every kind of bias. But let me tell you my perspective on that. And it's why in the book, I focused on how you create yourself, your success, regardless of any obstacles or biases you might face, because those don't have to limit you or define you. I raised capital and I've built two companies despite be pushing my way into rooms um, that are most often, you know, and roles most often held by men without losing the woman that, that I am. And, and I want every woman out there to know that that's incredibly possible for them. I'm not saying it's fair. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying that forward is possible when you believe that it is. And, and here's what I found in my experience. When I was raising venture capital for my first business, yes, there may be biases out there, but out of hundreds of meetings, I just needed one to say yes. And it turns out we got funded by the most prominent, you know, venture capitals, uh, capitalists out there, Kleiner Perkins, Coppola and Byers. And that man that served on my board is now on my board today, Doug McKenzie. And he's been one of my greatest life mentors, right? And, and, and he has never uh, discriminated against me because of my gender. So I've been very fortunate to have that be my, my experience, but I believe it's been my experience because I have a way of immediately, you know, ignoring and moving on, uh, from, any, any, uh, type of discriminatory comments. I just, I don't let it hold me down. I push through it. And I, I, so I think that that's, you know, that's really important. I definitely wanted to control my business because I knew I was pacing it around the birth of my first daughter and my second, but my second time I, I bootstrapped it. And then when I wanted to really escalate my commitment to the business and get the brain trust of others, I actually went back to that investor in Doug and said, listen, you know, here's the deal. Um, this isn't going to be a venture deal. I'm going to structure the very, the business different because I want to drive it for the mission, not the quarter. I want to make an impact. Um, I just had a baby. I'm about to have 
another one. So I'm not going to commit to any particular timeline. Um, you know, what do you think? So that certainly wasn't a typical investor pitch, but he wasn't a typical investor. And he said, you're in, I'm in. And so you know, there are other routes to just thinking that you have to go one path. And that, that's what I want everybody to know. And that's why I wanted to share the story because it absolutely looks nothing like a male dominated path to, to success. Well, you said you were fortunate, but you were only fortunate because you were persistent. And I love that line of that. You just needed one person to say yes, which is... Yeah, the harder you work, the luckier super you get. factual. And by the way, being pregnant and working against a deadline like that is actually sometimes a good thing because I've talked to other entrepreneurs, women who said to me, I started my business when I was pregnant. And it, to them, it was a lot of stress, but also... Uh, kind of this built-in timeline. Like you have to get things done <laughs> by the ninth month or, uh, not, or, or it's never going to get done. When I started this, not only was I you know, pregnant I, and starting the company, you know, uh, I was also working another full-time job. And so I was really motivated to turn my maternity leave into an eternity leave because even at that job, which I learned a tremendous amount, um, while I was there, you know, I still wasn't in control of my schedule. And I reported to someone at the time who would call 7 a.m. meetings, which is when you need to nurse, uh, you know, a newborn. And I was definitely not willing to keep going on that schedule. I think I aspire to have our home office be a far more flexible and friendly environment um, for all parents, you know, in, in both genders. Uh, and certainly our independent business opportunity, which is now about 60,000 independent business owners in six countries, they ultimately control their schedule because they work for themselves. So it's, that flexibility needs to be there, whether you're pregnant or not, you know, that that's the d- deadline is driven by you know, it, you, it's not just a, when I have the baby, I've got to get it done because after you have the baby, your schedule is, is uh, highly determined on what's going on in your family. Totally. Jessica, tell me a little bit about your upbringing. I, I, it sounds like you've always had uh, an interest in business. Curious to learn as a child, what was your introduction to money in the business world? Uh, well, you know, I would say that one of my greatest uh, influences is my father, who was an entrepreneur. And I share his story in the book and where I really believe I got my entrepreneurial spirit. I had a, certainly an unusual upbringing. I was raised by uh, my dad. My parents divorced uh, when they were younger. And my dad is this incredibly uh, self-made person. He uh, was raised by an immigrant mother who you know, did everything to survive, barely spoke the language, only a fourth grade education, but she, uh, you know, was a widow at, when her boys were just one and three. My father is the oldest of those boys. And so he had a paper route since he was in, you know, the third or fourth grade to help put food on the table. He put himself through school, ended up getting his graduate degree. So I was raised in this. And then he went on to start a software company. He was a home builder. You know, he did all these things and really, truly self-educated coming from, you know, absolutely no means. And so I always had this sense of look at what's possible. And um, if you don't like your situation, you change it, you create it. And and that's what business really is to me. It's about a, a view to look at the world and see not the way that it is, but the way that you want it to be. And so when I've created a business, it's really been an outcropping of, look, I don't like the way this works. I don't like what I see. I need to go do something to fix that. <laughs> and, and, and thus a business is born. And I, I really come at it from that way. It hasn't been commercially motivated. I think the best businesses are one that come out of a true well of passion. And, and my childhood really fueled me to do that. Um, I, 
I've had, again, two jobs since I was 15 years old, whether I was a, a scooped ice cream or worked as a waitress um, and ultimately, you know, worked my way through college and then got into technology. Um, my love of, of really being able to make things better um, is what fueled my love in business. I saw my father do that. How do you teach your daughters to know how old are they um, in school yet? Well, double decade, double digits for my going to be 10 year old in a couple of weeks. That's oh my, my baby. Gosh. And then my oldest daughter is 12. So curious, how do you uh, teach them the good lessons that you've learned along the way? Are they getting an allowance? Do they have chores? Are they learning entrepreneurship? <laughs> I, when my when my youngest daughter commented that she wanted, you know, was going to need a second job so that she could get in, you know, pay for college. I think I might be overcorrecting. Um, yes. <laughs> I, as someone who, you know, grew up with such a fierce work ethic, I often wonder, could my children's greatest disadvantage be their advantages? So I don't want to rob them of their hunger uh, and their ability to persevere. I'm someone who firmly does not believe in overparenting. I believe your children need to learn um, on their own. They need to make mistakes. They need to provide for themselves. So they have a chore list. They have, a, we use Bankaroo, which is a phenomenal app um, that tracks a weekly allowance. And, you know, if they want something, they have to pay for it out of their Bankaroo account. If they leave the lights on and a dollar gets taken off of their uh, Bankaroo account. Bankaroo. So, okay. I've never heard of that. Yeah, it's really great. And they're into it. They, and they, what I most admire about my children, which something we're doing is working, um, you know, knock on wood, because we're, we're not yet to the teen years, uh, in which karma could be a real problem for me, but they, they have a really strong work ethic. You know, they don't, they want to do things. They are, um, eager to earn and not, um, someone who, who wants something to be handed to them. Perfect. Jessica, what's next for you? I feel like you are a serial entrepreneur at heart. So I am sure you're always thinking about the next thing. Do you have any um, thing you can tease us with? I mean, is it going to be in the same sector or you're looking at uh, what are some other opportunities out there that you're curious about? Well, the, the book is next for me with Find Your Extraordinary. And, and as an extension of that, uh, I'm very excited about the idea of taking the lessons I've learned in life and business and sharing that with more women in business. And so we're talking about putting an extraordinary university out there uh, because I think it's a privilege and an obligation when I look at the statistics of the number of women in business, when I look at the fact that happiness has been declining for women because we are too often let joy sucking guilt rob us of, of true success. Um, I, I want to advance that. That's really the root of what's underneath the Stella Not Family of Brands and will continue to span women's lifestyle brands. So there's a lot of future in that. And we're, we're growing across all those brands. But for me, it's really about how do we change the world and work for women? And I believe that Find Your Extraordinary and then Extraordinary University are truly what's next to do that. I love it. You, you're putting a new spin on the word extraordinary and needs to go back in our vocabulary. And I'm sad to hear that there's so that happiness is on the decline. It doesn't really make sense when you hear about, I feel right. like in the news, there's a lot of discussion about flexibility in the workplace. More women are becoming entrepreneurs, but I guess you're really paying a lot closer attention to this than everybody else. Uh -huh. So, well, what I'm referencing is the government survey that they've been doing every year, the U.S. government since 1972. And what they're, they just ask a few simple questions to say, you know, are you, how happy are you? And they ask men and women. And the good news for men is it's going up. 
the bad news for women is it's been declining every year. And here's what I think is happening. I mean, first of all, you could always poke holes in any survey, but you know, you don't have to be a behavioral economist to, to resonate with the fact that the more choices there are for women, that's hands down a good thing, but it also creates a lot of opportunities for women to feel like they're falling short. And it's that what I believe that guilt where we think, you know, are we doing enough at work? Are we doing enough at home? Am I being judged by other people in my community that are making different choices? This is what ultimately is, is hampering women's unfiltered happiness. And, and I think that we've got to get that on the rise so that women can then lean in more at work because they're not feeling guilty about their choices, choices that a man would never be made to feel guilty for making. Mm -hmm. Um, And similarly, we have to celebrate the diversity of choices, including those that choose to serve in the home and the community, which are really providing that critical infrastructure that helps everybody work in the different choices that we make and providing amazing role models uh, for all of our daughters who may have different choices than your own. So I think that really talking to women about bolstering their self-confidence, how to pursue an authentic passion, how to create a path for that that can involve flexibility. Um, there's there's are really important choices and, and things that need to be done uh, to help women thrive. Jessica Heron, thank you so much for being such an extraordinary leader and role model. We'll be following you. We'll be wearing your necklaces. We will, I'll do whatever you want because I think you're on an an important mission and I want to support it. Congratulations also on your book, Find Your Extraordinary, Dream Bigger, Live Happier and Achieve Success on Your Own Terms. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much to my guest, Jessica Heron, for joining me. The book, again, is called Find Your Extraordinary. Check out HelloExtraordinary.com. You can also follow Jessica on Twitter at Jessica Heron. All this information and more back at SoMoneyPodcast.com. And just a reminder, we are going to three days. So Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Fridays continue to be Ask Farnoosh days. So go to SoMoneyPodcast, click on Ask Farnoosh, and send me your burgeoning question, and I will do my best to answer it. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. Happy May. April showers hopefully brings May flowers. We're really hoping for it here on the East Coast. Stay tuned and hope your day is so money. So Money.